0: It's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering from Reality. I'm sitting down today with Danielle and Adam from Marriage and Martinis. Do your high. hi. Hi. <laughs> Her signature <high>. yeah. hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, I'm so excited to have you guys on to talk all things marriage because marriage is often messy and has lots of highs and lows and very few people are talking about it. Mm, It's true. Why don't you give people a little bit, I want to hear both of your, obviously everybody has different perspectives of what was transpiring at that time, but give everybody like a, an overview of what kind of transpired, how long you've been married, Mm -hmm. when things
1: started to kind of fall apart and... You're going to ask me how, how long like we've been married before you No, because I've said it 17 <laughs> times in the past oh, three days. 17 because, yeah, it's because 17 Vince years? Yeah, because it's been 17 years. Was that your code for me to know?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? No, I want to hear your version first. Oh, you do? Sure. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Oh, am I not on? You can cut. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, we're Adam and Danielle from Marriage and Martini's. Hi. and uh, Hi. <laughs> we, yeah, we've been married for 17 years. We live in New Jersey. We have three kids um and two rescue dogs who mm-hmm. are sometimes harder than the kids and we uh like any other marriage we've been through a lot um maybe more than other marriages and uh, everything from we've dealt with you know miscarriage and um we've dealt with oh, he's like a serial mover we've moved like six times um, i have horrible, debilitating OCD and anxiety. Every time we move, my OCD spikes Mm -hmm. and I go out of control. Um, With my first pregnancy, my OCD was horrible and uh, I had to move out. I moved in with my parents. Um, I wouldn't eat, wouldn't talk to anybody, quit my job, cut myself off from everybody for months. Um, He thought that I was going to end up like institutionalized, um, almost got divorced then. Um, I, you know, went through therapy, worked on it all. Um, we figured it out somehow. Um, and our marriage was good. Um, and definitely fun. It's always been very fun. We've always had, like, a great connection. Um, like, great physical chemistry, all this stuff. Um, but at a certain point, the fun escalated to too much and too out of control. Um, and when Adam's dad got sick... Adam's in a family business, his dad got sick and everything, and things just sort of, for Adam, I think, he um, didn't know how to deal with his emotions, and um, started drinking a lot, and started leaving for days at a time, like escaping, would say he was going, we live near Atlantic City, he would say he was going to Atlantic City overnight, on a Thursday night, just leave, you know, me with, I have three kids. Um, would leave, say he was coming back on Friday. He wouldn't come back on Friday. Saturday, he'd say he was coming home, but wouldn't come home on Saturday. Sunday, you know, 7 o'clock at night because he had to work the next day. He'd like, trait, you know, like come in and act like everything was fine. And here I was, you know, all weekend taking care of my kids and happened for like a good year, year and a half. Um, finally, I got to a point where uh, there was one night where... I think he had been, you know, he came home at three in the morning reeking of alcohol. I knew he had just driven an hour and a half raging drunk. Um, And, you know, I was having to get up in the morning, like, are my kids going to get on the bus? And when they come home and get off the bus, am I going to have to say, like, you know, your dad died in a drunk driving accident or dad's in jail or I just never knew what it was going to be. And so I finally, like, I was just at the end of my rope. I was a stay-at-home mom, so if I were to leave, I had no finances. I had no idea how to take care of myself, um, no idea where I was going to go, what I was going to do. Just like felt trapped, um, but at the same time, sort of felt like I loved him. Like we loved each other, and I knew he was going through some serious shit. And I knew that that down deep, like I know the person he is, and I love you know I love the person he is, and I love our relationship. And I had this idea of, I knew Adam always loved podcasts, like loved them before they were cool, like, you know, when podcasts first started. Um, and I was sort of like, you know what? I was like, I need him home. I need him like in a controlled environment Um, I need not that I wanted to like control him, but I needed him in an environment where I knew he was safe Um, I needed us to communicate. I knew he needed a sense of purpose So one night I literally just said to him. I was like, let's start a podcast Like let's start a podcast where we just put all our shit out there Talk about everything because we already did that like we already
2: yeah, that's a little more behind that I guess let me get a little bit in here. Well, you because you <laughs> Cause,
1: you 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 talk about more of the fun aspects of it. I talk about more of the serious aspects. Well, I'm just of ta-
2: it. I'm talking about leading up to the you saying let's start a podcast. Yeah, because go, no, go ahead. It, we've all, yeah, I guess the fun part of it being Danielle and I have always had a really good banter back and forth. You know, we've always been very funny, very humorous, very you know even we'd fight in front of, you know, we would sit in the back of our parents' car if we were mad at each other and like text fight in front of each other so they wouldn't hear us. But it always turned humorous. It always turned into a, a funny banter. And Danielle's mom, Linda, who everybody knows that. We talk about Linda show, all the time. <laughs> she always said we, before podcasts, she would always say we need a sitcom. We need, we need some kind of reality show. We need something because of how, how can we communicate, You know, whether it be fighting or humorous or whatever it may be. So there's kind of that background to it also. But we'd also sit, we have this ballroom in our house instead of a living room because he uses a living room, right? Mm-hmm. So we converted to a barroom and it would just be our, you know, our, our place to kind of meet at the end of the day or on the weekends and just sit and have a cocktail or two and just like our time to talk and be alone and have adult time, you know? And our, our conversations would start just going, how do you explain, like, how would they... They would just start getting Just by the end of the night,
1: we would always say, why weren't we recording this? We should have been recording this.
2: Right. Not thinking podcast or anything at that point, but just that we had this thing going that we thought could be something. We didn't know what, you know, but like you said, we should just start recording it for whatever reason.
1: Yeah. And so when I said to him, we should do that, I was sort of expecting him to be like, like, what? No, that's like, that's, you know, as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, okay, that sounds ridiculous. Like, why should, why shouldn't have said that? And he was sort of like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And um, but it
2: wasn't about vulner- vulnerability at first. Well,
1: for me, it was
2: right. But I didn't know that. Right. I thought it was like, hey, let's have fun. And yeah, he podcast. thought
1: it was just like a fun <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, of and course. I'm like, we're going like, to change the world. Really, this is an intervention, <laughs> right? Yeah. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it sort of was an intervention a little yeah. bit. But but I knew also that I feel like he he needed something that was going to make him feel. I mean. Yes, we have three kids and that should give you purpose. But he was needing something more than that, I think. I think we both were. We both were like feeling stuck and feeling, um, you know, like we needed to be doing more. We needed to um, somehow come out of this by, for me, it was by sharing and for, you know, and I think for him, it was sort of that he, um, it gave him a, a place of belonging, I think you know to be sort of we've created this community now and everything and it's it's pretty amazing so by no means has it solved all our problems and everything we've come a really long way um i think that we are in a much better place than we were we still have a ton of work to do um but we're doing it and you know and it's 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 been like a crazy journey
0: so you deal with more, like, mental health stuff, and you're dealing with more, like, substance use disorder stuff and gambling, too?
2: Well, I've always loved gambling. Uh-huh. I, she always said, you know, gambling, addiction, gambling. I, I don't know if it ever, in my opinion, got to that level. Mm-hmm. I wasn't... It was my escape place was to go to Atlantic City, which involved gambling, which I love to do Just anyway. like, the least
1: healthy escape place, mm. like... You know, well, on yeah, the planet. I, yeah, I could go like there. Like escape place could have been like the library or, <laughs> you know
2: what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I was looking for my outlet. So let's put it that way. So I didn't need to go every weekend and go gambling. It wasn't about the gambling, although I enjoyed that very much. It was my, like I just said, my away place, my my place to unwind, my place to have my alone time, my place that I can, you know, have fun with gambling and drinking and doing that. That's pretty much kind of what I did or sit in the room and watch a movie or something like that. But just escaping That's what I was doing. Well, the thing
1: about Atlantic City is you can go Mm. there sort of like Vegas and everything and everything is fully acceptable. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's a good place to go when you don't want anybody to tell you you shouldn't be doing that.
2: Right. Like I could eat whatever I wanted without having, you know, food's
1: expensive. You know,
2: I could could eat whatever I wanted without thinking about what it would cost or I could drink as much as I want because nobody's there saying, hey, you know, it's enough or just being by myself you yeah. know escaping from reality
1: not having to deal with everything yeah. that was happening at home
0: yeah and so um you had said that your father passed away and I'm assuming that there there's probably an accumulation of things that started to t- transpire and then like probably your dad passing was like the icing on the cake and you're like Well, it I'm was done.
2: but not only for the reason that just that he passed away it's like Danielle said I was in a family business that he started and I wasn't prepped properly for, because it kind of came on sudden, mm. and then he got a little too sick to be able to, I guess, show me the right way to do things, whatever it might be. But so, the stress of taking over this, you know, mm-hmm. this thing really um, probably got to me without thinking about that being the reason, that's, you know, one of the things emotionally that was draining me, you know what I'm saying, getting me, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Help me out, honey.
1: What, like t- taking you over the edge? Yeah, thank you. That's a great way to say it. She's good with the words. That's why I'm here. She's good with the words.
0: (laughs) And I mean, we were talking about when I came on your podcast is that so many people don't actually have like the tools to deal with their feelings and things catch up really fast if we're not in the moment really being present and focusing on what's coming up for us and things like that. And so, so many people don't actually have those tools and that comes from therapy you know hopefully your parents but later in life therapy and stuff like that did you guys end up going to therapy individually i know you had said that you went when you were having issues with ocd with your first
1: child so when when i when i was um going through with my first child where really it really was what when i was pregnant um and a lot of women actually go through this when they're pregnant because i don't know so much this was Fifteen years ago, um, but what happened was my my doctor told me that I needed to go off my SSRIs in order to get pregnant. I was twenty six. You know, I didn't know any better. I went off my SSRIs, which I hadn't been off of in you know ten years, um, not realizing how much I would spiral. And this was a doctor who, you know, if you do your research. Um, it's okay to stay on SSRIs when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, he just basically like, without even thinking about my mental health or anything, told me to go off. I went off and it was just like a disaster. And And he, Adam, just couldn't understand what was going on. Um, and so I moved out. My parents took care of me. But one thing that he did through all of it was I was in therapy and he would try to go. He did try to understand. Um, he wasn't really so great about, supporting me through it but he didn't leave um and I thought he was going to like I thought I wasn't worthy you know I just figured he would leave because I was a burden and I was broken and um and uh I finally went back on my SSRIs and did a lot a lot of therapy a lot of work um and you know got proper help from a proper doctor who was supportive of mental health and everything um and 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 Adam sort of like, in his, whatever way he could, he was trying to be supportive. I mean, he definitely let me talk, he let me, he listened, and and now I think it would be a completely different circumstance if it happened again. But, you know, he needed, he had never seen it before. It's just like any other kind of illness, or, you know, when you're hit with that out of nowhere, and it really was out of nowhere, um, it's, it's you, you don't know how to react. And um, so we stayed together through that. And then, um, you know, everything was sort of status quo for a little while, as I think happens, you know, marriages are ebbs and flows. And you have a new baby and you're focusing on the baby and not so much on
0: everything else. And you're so in love with this child. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Building a house Mm -hmm. and, you know, all these things. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah. But you
2: don't know how when you never see something like this before, you, you, you don't know how like if if she broke her leg, I'd understand she needs me to help around the house and get her water or food yeah. or whatever, you know, like cause she can't <laughs> get up and do it. They could see that. Yeah. Well, what else did you need besides water and food? <laughs> right. Right. <Nothing. laughs> but, but when it's in someone's mind, yeah, it, something's broken in there. Yeah. You can't visual, you can't see mm. the thing yeah. that's wrong.
1: I was saying I really, crazy things too. Yeah. You know, I thought I was hurting people. I like physically, I thought, you know, it was yeah. hit and not run. crazy, it was, you know, honey, irrational. I'm sorry, irrational yes. to you at the time. It was crazy. Very yes. Crazy. Um, but you know, so yeah,
0: yeah. And I really relate to that. I've been very open about my mental health journey and the, I've had extreme postpartum depression, anxiety. I've been suicidally depressed in sobriety. My husband's been through that with me from the beginning. And I have felt often, I mean, I think I've spent my whole life thinking like I was just too much, like a little bit too much for everybody to handle. But um, when I got Together with my husband, I was newly sober and super healthy and young and fit and sexy and exciting and all of a sudden we had this baby. We got pregnant three months later and I ballooned up. I ate my feelings through the pregnancy. I also had hypoglycemia, which I didn't know about, so I was constantly craving sugar. And then I had this really traumatic birth and then I, I went straight into postpartum depression anxiety, which didn't lift um, until shortly after. After, so when she was 18 months, we had a miscarriage Mm. and it spiraled me even deeper. And then I started getting help and kind of coming out of it. Then we had another really intense marriage. I mean, marriage, pregnancy with my youngest Dakota almost died after childbirth oh, yeah. and then went right back into postpartum depression. So we've spent the vast majority of our marriage and I'm really looking forward to all of this calming down now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm grateful. My husband, so my husband is so understanding and I think that the, the thing is like, we're trying, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like we're just wallowing like around, like I'm mentally ill and everybody should just deal with it. It's like, we're actively trying to get better all the time Thank God for transcranial magnetic stimulation, which I just finished, which changed I have no my idea what life. it is, but now I'm going to look at it. Okay. Can we get one? Permanent. I, but um, how do you know it's a one? I don't know. Whatever it is, <laughs> a one. Oh. Transcranial magnetic stimulation is a newer technology. It was approved by the FB, FDA, I believe, in 2009 to treat anxiety, depression, OCD, and bipolar 1, I, I believe. And so they put this MRI strength magnet on your brain. It zaps you on both sides every day for six weeks. Does it hurt? Uh, it's uncomfortable. It's not. It feels like a little woodpecker like in your brain. <laughs> oh, um, it's uncomfortable. It's not painful, and it zaps all these nerves that go through your face. So like your jaw will twitch and your eye will twitch. It's a, it's a little intense. I'm not gonna lie, but it's if you find a place with a newer machine, then the sessions are like maybe 10 minutes which is not bad but i'm 100 percent cured of my depression now
1: wow that's unbelievable yeah. and i had
0: drug resistant depression meaning like i constantly had to change meds or i didn't tolerate meds or i had to uh-huh. up my dose or whatever it yeah, was and i know people who are yeah like and that I, too. I, yeah. it was just that's brutal really tough. Yes. and so and i was like even if i did do fine on meds i don't want to be on meds the rest of my life so thank god for that but um we can often feel like we're too much, and it's so hard. I'm lucky my husband grew up with a mother who was severely mentally ill, and so he understood the breakdowns and all of that. I'm sure it was very triggering for him. Um, he refuses to go to therapy, though, <laughs> to work that out. Um, okay, so you were in therapy and doing
2: so, wait, so all why that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why does he refuse to go to therapy? And are you sure it's a refusal because um, we have the same situation?
0: I have encouraged it. I've given him names <coughs> and numbers of people. I've encouraged it for the last five or so years. And he's just. Okay.
1: They do say from the time you start talking about it with someone, the average amount of time it takes to seek counseling is six years. Hmm. That's the average. Well, then we're in
0: our yeah. final year. Yeah. <laughs> the therapy, that's please. why
2: That's why I ask. Because yeah. they, for years, Danielle would try oh, to get Oh, I me begged into, him. I but, begged him. But I, ne- I never said no. I never said I will not go to therapy. I just didn't take it seriously, and I didn't consider I think it seriously. At.
0: And he's so busy. He's like, I'm so stressed out. What little time I have, I want to spend it with you guys. Right. Like, but he, he works. Say. Same
2: thing. We, you know, all, he's gone
0: 12 yeah. hours a day, and then he comes home, and all he wants to do is rewind with the kids, and he doesn't right. want to spend his Saturday going and sitting in Shrink's office, right. which is like, okay. And you know what? To, say, to, to be honest, he doesn't have mental health issues like I do. I mean, I can't imagine having the amount of trauma that he had and dealing with me without being being in therapy but for some reason he's like perfectly fine um and he's like a saint and just puts up with it i don't know he's got the threshold of i'm a god i have no idea how he does it but he does Mm -hmm. so so you eventually went to therapy after how many years just recently just Just within the last
2: four months five six months whatever it is Um, just because i knew it was time and i knew it was you know to be honest my therapy started when we started the podcast because Mm -hmm. i got to you know Start talking and, and start letting things out because I I was not I, I was never open about emotions or you know feelings or you know I, I was never good at that and starting this podcast is kind of what brought it out and it got me going with talking and feeling comfortable talking and then finally realizing yeah it's time for like real. Therapy, professional therapy. Well, I
1: think it was a building block because now he felt more open. You know, the podcasting and everything helped him just to feel like he could let it out. Yeah. You know, it like was right. And then you... Is that what you said? That's what I just said. I'm sorry, oh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> no, I'm like just you, take the, I'm totally you take the you take
0: this you know the tu- the the cap off and yeah. then everything starts just right. Kind of it's, like, more yeah, it's like a flood. Yeah, yes. yeah. But, but in
2: all honesty, I, I love it. I really oh, love it. And unfortunately, I haven't gone in a couple months just because I've been crazy at work and things have happened and it kind of let it slip. But I'm definitely going back. I mean, I'm, as soon as we get home, I'm gonna make yeah. my appointment because I I enjoy it. I really mm-hmm. do, and I know that it helps.
0: So how do you stop the drinking and the gambling in Atlantic City? Like, cause that's rem- like I you know obviously I'm in recovery. And so many people Mm -hmm. are And it's very few people That are like I'm just gonna stop
2: Okay well I I stopped That's why I said I don't think the gambling thing Was an addiction thing It really wasn't Because once I realized That it was wrong I just stopped I stopped Mm -hmm. going And I stopped gambling Like I don't gamble online I don't gamble somewhere else I don't I don't don't do that So that's not That wasn't the root Of my issues here And as far as the drinking I just do it When we're together I you know I do it I don't even want to say I do it more than socially But I don't drink like i was to get wasted and you're not driving get, home from atlantic city i don't drive city drunk drunk like wasted. Yeah, right. i don't, like, do the, I don't yeah. i'm not irresponsible with it anymore
1: that whole situation i was talking about this on another podcast that whole situation in my mind was mm-hmm. very much i i i can't diagnose him because you know I, but he's very, Adam has always been very much like self-focused. He's always very much been like how things affect him and, you know, and, and not wanting to deal with things and wanting to escape and, I don't know, it's like an element of narcissism, I guess, and I'm only saying like I love him. So, you know, like, but I think a little bit when everything was happening, he felt like it was all happening to him rather than to all of us, you know? And we can relate to that because when
0: you feel like the world is caving in on you, you can't, you don't have that perspective and so, like I said, it was probably a number of things. Your dad's death was the icing on the cake or the thing that that made everything spill over. But I'm yeah. sure there was lots of other stuff that just
1: needed to be dealt with, and he didn't know how to deal yeah. with it. So he just left all the time. Right. So I think all of those things, the drinking, the gambling, all of that, the real issue was the escapism. yeah, you know, that all that stuff were just symptoms of it. and and so I think that once, you know, he found a place, which was, you know, being at home with the podcast and knowing he had something to come home and you know like mm-hmm. be a part of, I think all that stuff sort of you know not not fell away because certainly we still deal with certain things, but I think the element of escapism was no like he wanted to stay, he wanted to be around, yeah. you know.
0: I think that speaks to the power of connection. I talk a lot about like the opposite or the the root cause of addiction is ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Um, trauma and the the solution to trauma is connection and so it's interesting because this gave you guys a connection and then a connection to a community of people that were then beginning to write in and relate and stuff like that and then that purpose helps you to then build self-esteem and you start kind of getting that momentum in that role.
1: I I always I, I equate it in my mind and I wrote something about it recently about it's almost like a trust fall domino effect. Mm. Like he sort of like trust fell to me that I was going to still accept him even though he was going through all this bullshit. Um, And then I told him about the podcast and rather than him laughing in my face, he sort of like accepted it back. And which is probably the reason why we're still together is that, you know, he wanted to do the work. And then we sort of put it all out there, which the things that we say, everybody could have been like, oh my God, you guys are super fucked up. Like, you know, you guys shouldn't, shouldn't be podcasting. You should go get help and this and that. But nobody did that. Everybody was like super, you know, like they embraced us and were so wonderful. And it was like once, once we did that and got that, you know, that reaction, we were sort of like, we felt so safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we felt, so it was sort of like a total domino effect. And like, I do think that vulnerability and everything is contagious. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: it's more than just being people, you know, um, accepting what we were doing. Now, with the community, it's oh my god, me too, me too. Yeah. This is what happened mm-hmm. to me. This is how I feel. Like, yeah. people are opening up and realizing that we're, we're the normal ones. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not the ones who, you know, th- are, are the abnormal, yeah. not the people. ones. You're not the minority here. Yeah. Right. Like,
0: that, there's so many people that are dealing with marriage issues that, you know, they just either pretend aren't happening or whatnot. Did your family know the extent of everything that was happening when you started podcasting about it? No. No, No? not
1: really. Um, Some stuff had happened recently that sort of um, blew up Um, a little too personal in the family to like talk about. You know, we haven't even really talked about it on the podcast, but some stuff like personally kind of blew up. Um, And so we were forced to deal with certain things. But um, but what happened, I think, is that once we started talking about it, I think Like, even my sister, I think, didn't know the extent of everything, but once I started talking about it, she was sort of like, okay, now it all is kind of coming together and makes sense. Mm. You know, I think you always know something is sort of up, whether or not, you know, and so, and she loves Adam, and she loves, you know, so they were sort of like, oh my God, like, I'm so glad you're talking about it now. You know, they were very, they they were very supportive. Yeah, they're, I mean, Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're supportive
0: yeah That's amazing, yeah,
1: I mean, it is pretty amazing, my parents too, are you know it's yeah, so so it's um, yeah, I think I think it's you know I think they see it as brave, which is great, which is what what kind of is, yeah,
0: so yeah, we were talking on your pot when I came on your podcast about um children mm-hmm. and about you know, how we feel about our kids eventually figuring out all of this stuff. And I talked a lot about my experience and now I kind of want to know about what you guys are doing. Cause you got older kids
1: mm-hmm. who are already
0: on, you know, on the phones and all of this stuff and mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near there.
1: Yeah. So do you mean as far as our story goes? Yeah. And like how, how, do, how, you know, yeah, how one do day they're going to
0: listen to sure. episode one. You right. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I feel like anything that we put out there, we know is always going to be out there. And if one day, listen, uh, hopefully there's, there's things on there that the kids don't want to hear. Yeah, Like <laughs> yeah. it's going to be literally
1: listen at your own risk. Like nobody wants to hear about their mom and dad's sex, sex life. Right. Yeah, Right.
2: So like if you, if, if it's out there and they listen to it, sorry, uh-huh. I hope we didn't fuck you up with that one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: After the therapy that you are, they're going to have to do. Yeah. Right. But no, I, my, my thing is I never say anything bad about anybody. Um, mm. You know, I never say that's like, that's kind of where I draw a line. Like I don't want them hearing that. Um, It's not a bitch session about anybody ever, you know, maybe we'll once in a while, you know, say something about, you know, whatever, but nothing that I wouldn't want my kids to hear. Short of that, um, no, I would tell them one day, not yet, one day, pretty much everything. Um, A few things that we've gone through, they already know because it was obvious. It's obvious when dad comes home and he's, you know, not been there for four days and, you know, or has obviously been drinking excessively or anything like that like that kind of stuff we've spoken about because there's no hiding that um not that we're hiding certain things but like like you said sort of you know age appropriate appropriate yeah age appropriate yeah age appropriate yeah you know i
0: see these moms in la that take their 17 year old daughters to get lip injections with them and i'm like for the love of god yeah yeah please you know what i mean like this whole friendship parenting thing it's like stop you're their parent and it's up to you to make that judgment call about what's appropriate and what's not. Well,
2: I, I'll take it more as lessons learned for myself yeah. that I can now, you know, pass on to pass my kids mm-hmm. as knowledge that I've learned, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the hard way yeah. or, you know, that we've learned um, yeah. that will benefit them. So I want them to know. I want them to know why what happened, why it happened and yeah. how they can avoid yeah. those situations
0: and how many people feel the pressure of like keeping <laughs> up with the joneses and then go into marriages because they all, never saw their parents fight or argue and then just think that it's all supposed to be like rainbows and butterflies oh well, i so think we many. both went into marriage thinking <laughs> yeah. it was going to be, be like that
1: yeah I mean, first of all we were so young we were like 24 mm-hmm. and um i think that you know i think our parents probably i mean they have wonderful marriages you know but i'm sure they did fight and everything but not no I don't think we saw the extent of anything and um also I think it seems fun you know Mm. you're gonna you're just gonna get married you're gonna have a baby you're gonna you know live in a house it's gonna be adorable and
2: well I think also we grew up uh, in a time i sound like i'm saying 100 years ago but i think things are so different today mm-hmm. where when we were growing up it was you know you go to school you go to college you graduate you find you, you get a job you find yes. a guy or a girl and you get married and then you have kids and then you, you know, that yeah that was it kind was of all per- strategic you're working on your retirement
0: plan and then you're right, <laughs> right. you retire we, the kids move out
2: <laughs> we both come from very successful yeah. families you know their marriages were successful in their own ways but um that's what we saw that's what we knew that's where Mm. we grew up so that we followed the trend and we did you know you had the big wedding you have the big that you know looking back yeah we would have done things differently yeah you know yeah so so we took the structure of life and that's the way it was the way the way it was supposed to be
1: yeah but yeah but i feel like i wouldn't do things differently because i we wouldn't be where we are now Uh, really yeah i don't think so i don't think so i think there's a
2: few things i would do differently
1: Yeah, well there's a few things I would have you do differently. (laughs) I got my laundry list for you. No, no, I really I really do. I think Mm. about that also. I think about everything we've been through in the past couple years. And, you know, not that I wanted Adam to have to go through everything he went through, not that I have want us to have to go through everything we went through, but I look at where we are now and what we've built and what we've overcome and all that stuff. And I'm sort of like, I don't know. I don't know if you feel like that sort of about your past too. Like, yeah, it sucked to go through all of that. Yeah. I wouldn't sucked. change it. No, either. No, I wouldn't either. I, you wouldn't feel like you would.
2: I feel like I would. The only thing I would want to keep, remember is the dates that we conceived our children. <laughs> so we so can do we that have again. have the exact same <laughs> kids. Exactly. Because I do love those <laughs> right, kids. Right. Um, but as far as that, there's, there's things that I would change. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I think that the when we don't let our past define us and that we when we learn from it and then that's where growth happens. Like if we all grew up in perfect homes with white picket fences and had mm-hmm. this like really idealistic life in childhood and never incurred any trauma or any pain or anything like that, then we'd be like really boring humans. Oh, sure.
2: And trust me, I wasn't looking for perfection when I'm thinking about things that I <laughs> yeah. need to change. It was yeah. just... The little things that, you know, would make things, a little, you know, yeah. yeah, it doesn't
0: matter.
1: And part of the reason why I think we married each other, you know, when we we're both, we're both pretty com- like, compl- I mean, simple, but kind of complicated. Like we both love fun. We love connection. We love all, yeah. you know, we're, when I married Adam, I, part of the reason, part of the reason I loved him was because I knew my life was never going to be boring. You know, Aww, I, I knew it that. was always going to be adventurous. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't think I foresaw that. The other side of that, yeah, you know, but you have to kind of take the bad with the good. I mean, granted, thankfully, we worked on the bad and everything, but you know, all the good that I got out of him, well, there was this other side too. And I have to say, with Evan and his past and all of the things,
0: it's like I actually love him because of that, right? Too, right? You know? Absolutely, yeah. it's all it's, part it's of our story, it's all part of who you are and who you yes. are and who I am, and it and it makes that's what makes people like dynamic in who they are. Yeah. And in the beginning of marriage, and I got married to Evan when I was really young. I was 21, 20, turning 21. And um and he's 15 years older than I am and we got married after 8 months, 6 of which he was in Canada and I was stuck here in LA. Oh my god. And um obviously we're madly in love and and I think that you know that so many people are used to that like honeymoon phase and Mm then they're not used, they haven't actually like lived, you, you live a lifetime with someone and you just acknowledge that there's highs and lows to that. Absolutely. And I think that, um, that sticking with it is obviously the harder choice, but it makes it worth it because at the end of the day, when you're 80 years old and you're laying on your deathbed, you have a partner who you've, walked through life with and have experienced all of these highs and lows and obviously there's my hard nose like if he was ever abusive or anything mm-hmm. like that like I would leave. Um but I think it's amazing that that you guys were able to make it through this this time period. Um one of the questions that I I have is um obviously like as a mom and as a wife, like you were really affected and had feelings probably of just like anger and abandonment and, yeah. abandonment mm-hmm. and all that. How do you repair your sex life after that? I don't
1: think our sex it life ever suffered. Didn't, it didn't <laughs> suffer. No. Oh you my know, god, well, you're a
0: saint. Because when I have those feelings of abandonment and stuff, I'm like, get away no, from me. No, that's not true. No, we're actually, not have there sex are times.
1: Anymore. No, there have been times when I have been really angry and. Um, We, we, I think we've probably gone some time without. Um, But, you know, it was for me, it was more like about he would come and like, you know, after everything that would happen, he would like expect to like hold my hand or give me a kiss or, you know, like something like Mm -hmm. that. And I'd sort of be like, ugh, like don't, don't, you know, you can't no, that's not, it was more like the little gestures that I knew he was doing just because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm. And then he would try to make himself feel better. He'd be like, well, is she going to let me kiss her? And then, you know, he would come in and if I didn't kiss her, if I didn't kiss him, he'd be like, oh, well, what's wrong? Well, what do you think is wrong? You know, like, so it was sort of like, that was always his test of had he taken it too far? Would I hold his hand? Would I kiss him? Would I this and that? You know, so that always got to be like problematic. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know as far as our. I guess that was always like our reconnection. I don't know that that's the healthiest thing. But, but I guess that makeup was, sex is great. But I mean, and you're there, talking that's about pretty all, much all it was yeah. for a little while. <laughs>
0: yeah, because you're yeah. talking about this is like a longer period of time with feelings of you know yeah. betrayal or abandonment
1: <laughs> and things like that, and that would be really really hard for me. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think, I think during all of it the. The thing was, is that you know I loved him so much that I would take him however I could get him, sort of Mm. during all that, which probably was not very healthy. There was probably a time, you know, I think what turned it all around was that I didn't, I never dropped the the word divorce, like I never threatened with it. So the night that I said it, I think you knew. knew. What was that like for you?
2: When was that? Just remind me. Yeah,
1: I I think it was right. god I, you know I don't it's no. all such a blur right but um but you know what I'm talking about there was like a night where I was just like this is it
2: oh yeah yeah uh, yeah I saw you like <laughs> like I saw your demons come out yeah like, like yeah, I think I was changed. saying
1: things that he couldn't believe I was saying and he thought that for at first I think he <clears throat> thought I wasn't serious and then I think he realized it no
2: I, I realized you were serious and I th- I think I thought to myself number one She's fucking serious now. Like, I was. This is it. I was serious. And I was like, number two, if she ever speaks to me like this again, I got to get the fuck out of here because I'm scared. <laughs> <It's scary>. Yeah, <laughs> so why
0: so wives are always number one suspects
1: in <laughs> murders. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So when it was, I don't remember, but I remember the feeling at the moment, like it's either now or, or get out of
1: here. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't physically do it anymore. I couldn't physically Like I
2: wasn't even going to let her leave. Like I was like, I need to leave. You know, I was thinking that to myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I knew at that point it was, which direction am I going? Yeah. What, yeah. what am I doing?
0: It's, you know, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and it's like, you know, what what are we yeah. going to do here?
1: And for people, you know, there are people who you realize that your spouse isn't going to work on it, and there's nowhere mm. to go from there. You know, so the fact that he was willing to work on it and wanted to work on it, sort of like, you know, that, that to me was... What was what I needed. I needed him to want to work on it. And that night had he said, no, I'm not going to work on it. It'd be over. We wouldn't. And I wasn't staying after that. You weren't going
0: to put up with. No. The four day long disappearances. I don't know how you did. My anxiety would be so high. It was a horrible. My stress levels. I would be like. I'd be losing my mind. Well,
1: and, and with his with his parents and my parents and everybody around us during that time, you, I know you spoke about that there was a certain amount of time when you didn't want people to find out about stuff and the shame and whatever. Mm. I was like that too. I made it seem as if I was okay with all of it. That I knew he was leaving and everything. And I knew because I knew that everyone was going to be like, "How? why is she staying with him? Like, what is she doing? I knew that my parents would tell me that. I knew even probably his mom would have said that. Like, everybody probably would have told me to leave. and, And I think so, therefore, you know, and it would have been humiliating at the time. So I think I acted as if oh you know he works really hard he you know he needs to get away and and then you know if he wouldn't come home I would call people and then I'd be like oh he just you know he's staying a little long like I think I made light of it all for so long but inside I was breaking yeah. Yeah, and I had no one to share it with because I was too humiliated to share to it. To
0: share it, yeah, and that's the cycle of codependency, and then eventually you just get to the point where you're like, I can't be a punching bag anymore, totally. and hold all of the weight of all of this. Yeah. Um, so. Do you do you notice a shift in your kids? Like do your kids seem more calm and stuff now that like the kind of chaos or were you clean were you cleaning up for the kids too? So like you Yeah, were, I was totally you cleaning had, up for the, the kids. I mean there yeah. were
1: definitely nights when he would, you know, come home and they would realize it or he would be gone and they would say, you know, why isn't he here? Or, um and stuff like that. But um but I, we happen to have really resilient kids. Mm-hmm. I think most kids probably are really resilient also. Um but you know they're also they were also at ages where they were so busy you know they they're in their sports and extracurriculars. Yeah, they were pre-teens at this point. Yeah, yeah, or, and they have full teen. lives. You know, yeah. I mean, not to say had we divorced, I think it would have been traumatic Effective. for them. Yeah, uh, yeah, but them. yeah, but mm-hmm. um, but no, they they were pretty good. I mean, I also think because um, it was you know it was during that time period it was like a year or two. If it was an ongoing thing throughout their whole childhood, you Mm. know, that might be different. Yeah. So Mm. there wasn't like a huge shift that you like
0: noticed. I think it's really remarkable that, you know, sometimes we get these ideas and you're like, well, I just don't know like what, how this is actually going to happen. And then it ended up saving your marriage, which is.
1: Yeah. I think it saved his life. I always say Mm. that. I mean, driving
0: drunk is no—you know what I mean? That's such like a risky thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, I think I was when when I like if I was coming home at two o'clock in the morning or something like that. That you know, I was more concerned about—I Well, I wasn't concerned about anything at the time. But looking back, about getting pulled over, getting DWI, mm-hmm. going to jail because there was nobody really on the road. I was. Yeah. I, you know, if I was going to kill anybody, it would be myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not not to make it in any way. Yeah. I okay. don't,
1: that's not even. I'm
2: talking about what was going on in my mind. Right. What was going on yeah. in your
1: mind yeah. at the time.
0: You yeah. Weren't, you because, didn't have that, like, foresight.
2: Right. Because I, as I'm sure you can relate, you can rationalize anything to make it Absolutely. seem okay. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. All of yes. the excuses of everything, like, you like
2: know. all these we spoke about. I'm not going to bore you with the details. We did speak about this in the podcast. But the me going out to dinners, the me like I was mm. rationalizing me going out to dinner by myself, like after work, yeah. because of like you every know, night. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't every <laughs> night, but you know, like you know, I know I would say to myself, "Well, Danielle has her downtime. She's a stay at home mom. She has her downtime every day. I want a little downtime too," you know? <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, we really have our downtime, right? But you know what I'm
2: saying? Like rationalizing in yeah. my. Mind. And
0: you were thinking, yeah, you were thinking like this is my little break, and I'm yes. going to get my like, time I want to two hours
2: on Tuesday to have dinner by myself, or I yeah. want to, you know. And then it became, then it it, it, it snowballed. It became. Yeah. I want a night away. I want.
0: Well, because isn't that so nice? And you were just saying, when you get home to your kids, you have these little vacations and then you come home to your kids and then you're like, I miss you guys so much. And then like three days later, you're like, get oh, me yeah. out of here. Yeah, I need yeah, another yeah. fucking vacation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Oh my yeah. God. Absolutely. The stress of parenting. Yes. It's like, uh,
1: yeah, it, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it is so hard. It is so hard. Is yeah. so hard. I know. We have to like take, not only that, it's no like easy thing to take care of yourself. <laughs> You yes. know, and then like, with so yourself, you know, your kids, your spouse, everybody around you. It's, it's, man, let me tell you. Yeah. It's no wonder we break.
0: I always tell my husband, like, there's five things that I can do. The first is always like my self-care connection to like my higher power. That's like first and foremost in my life. Because if I lose that, if I'm not focusing on like my sobriety and all that, then everything else falls apart. Mm-hmm. Then my relationship with him, because if my relationship with him falls apart, then the kids fall apart. Right. And so that's my second focus. And then obviously the kids and us mm-hmm. as a family unit and then work and then whatever like little playtime we have. And in that order, and if it falls out of that order, then we're all screwed. Mm-hmm. We're all screwed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard, especially in this day and age where we're expected to do more than enough. Yeah. And that's really, really challenging is like having the full time job and having the work and the kids and keeping it all together. And it's just, ugh, oh, it's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Life is fast paced now. Yes. Things are going by way too it's fast. It's in
0: New Jersey the same, too. Oh my like God. Like in it's LA, out of control. I, yeah. LA, I feel like it's insane. Yeah. I, I you move have to, to the be the in 10
2: directions. You know what I'm saying? You have to be in so many different directions, doing so many different things mm-hmm. and being productive in so many different areas of your life right now. It's, it's it's fast paced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. New Jersey's no different.
0: Yeah, I want to move to like the country. Mm-hmm. Ha- I want to have a farm. Me too. And just a couple cows. I'm not moving. Some goats. Yet. Oh no, oh, my God! the serial <laughs> mover. So you're ready yeah. to move? She's like, hell right. no, no, we're not moving. We're not getting anywhere. <laughs> you, mo-
1: you move, you move alone.
0: <laughs> I'll visit. Yes. Yeah. No. That. That's. True, mm-hmm. um, too, and you you build your unit and your little, you know, you have your little family unit there, and mm-hmm. it's like then it's hard to leave that too, which yeah. I also understand. Okay, some some words of of wisdom I'd like to hear from both of you, like your your biggest takeaways from your experience so far and and what you think will help to motivate people or encourage people to Mm. initiate change in their relationship.
1: I think first of all is that we need to remember that, you know, when you're with somebody, you're hopefully with them for a really long time, Mm -hmm. maybe forever. It's a really long time not to expect any big mistakes. And I think that number one, we need to remember that we're human and, um, that we do make mistakes and and it's about really i think what our podcast is about and everything and i think your podcast also what do we do with it and that's the part that you know is important and if you're both willing to work on it i think it can work mm-hmm. um you do have to both be willing to work on it though and um i also think that it's important in life like um i we always say you know for me i adam is you know obviously like i love him and he's you know my best friend and everything but I also have other relationships. I don't rely on him for everything. I have other relationships in my life that are really fulfilling and that I, I can't live without. You know, I have certain friends in my life and my sister and, you know, a, a bunch of relationships that it takes the brunt off of him. Also, I think that if I didn't have it and I was expecting him to supply me with everything, that would just be a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And so, you know, so maintaining, no, seriously, I don't, I don't,
2: I I, I could not be there for everything that you need.
1: Right. I'm I'm too emotional of a human being. And so I think that, you know, take, uh, taking the time to foster, don't lose those friendships. Don't lose those relationships. (laughs) Work on those, pour your heart and soul into those as well. Because, um, you know, and, in tough times, you need more than one person, and in good times too, you need more than one person. And you know, there are times when you're drained and you can't give your all to somebody else. And so, it's it's nice if they have other people who can help you with the brunt of it. Yeah. So that's great wow. advice. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I think that's extremely important. By the way, I want to reiterate that that you need to have your friends. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just you. I'm sure it's like you know, it's everybody yeah. that you need. You can't get everything that you need from one person. You know, yeah. it can't be your spouse. It can't be someone in your family. It can't, everybody gives you something different. So, just re- reiterating on what Danielle said, but also uh, I, for me, a big one is vulnerability. Vul- I'm having trouble with that word. Vulner- vulnerability. It's a hard one. Vulnerability. Vulnerability, vulnerability. vulnerability is extremely mm. important because without it, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And we, you know, we divulge almost everything out there, and that's hard to do, especially to get started. Mm. And you got to, you know, you got to be able to open up. You got to be able to talk to somebody, you know, it took me 40 years to be able to do that. And, you know, number one with my wife and number two on this podcast, number three with a therapist, I was never willing to open up and talk about what's going on inside. And being vulnerable allows you to overcome anything that's going on, you know, inside. Yeah. That's what I get away from all this.
0: Love it. Where can everybody find you guys?
1: So we are Marriage and Martinis, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, You can follow us over on Instagram. We have a great community over there at Marriage and Martinis. Uh, And we have Facebook. Um, Fuck Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's too much work. I, it's too much. I work. heard someone yeah. say the other
0: day, "You either podcast or you Twitter." And I'm like, yeah, "Amen can't. to that." Yeah, I mm. can't. We can't.
2: It's too much.
1: I um, tried.
0: It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. No.
1: Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's
2: so get us anywhere it. on those platforms or martinis at gmail dot com if you want to contact us for anything. Yeah. We're here. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, for you, you
0: so on. much for having us. Yeah. All right. <laughs> If you guys liked this episode, do me a solid head over to the podcast app and make sure that you are subscribed to recovering from reality, not just subscribed, but give me five stars. If you really liked it, comment, make a review. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening on your phone, you could even screenshot a picture of you listening and tag me up on Instagram and I'll do my best to share it within the community. So thanks for listening, you guys. And I hope you loved this episode.